Growth is the only way to unlock your true greatness, not only to yourself, but to the world. I'm your host, Candace Lamb, and I'm here to encourage you to explore the possibilities of your best life, what it looks like, and what it takes to get there. I've gathered successful leaders all around the globe to ask the questions we all want to know about business, wealth, health, and relationships. So settle in. You're listening to the Growth and Greatness Podcast. Hello, hello, good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to another episode of the Growth and Greatness Podcast. I am your host, Candace Lamb, and I am so happy that you are here with me tonight. For those of you who are just joining us and you've never been to a podcast or never seen a podcast, the Growth and Greatness Podcast is a weekly show where we share real, eye-opening, and thought-provoking conversations with successful leaders all around the globe that address questions and answers we all want to know about life and business in order to grow. So my very special guests tonight are Dr. Sharon Apopa and Pastor Jonathan Lamb. If you have watched the show before, you will know that they are not first-time guests. Dr. Sharon comes with a host, decades of experience in social work, clinical work, in the mental health space as well. And Pastor Jay has been in the ministry for 30 plus years as well. So our conversation tonight is going to be full of wisdom and whenever we get together, it's always a good time. So you are in for a treat. Our topic tonight is don't give up. Seven ways to avoid. Why do I always do this to myself, everybody? Seven ways to avoid. What, what did I say it was? Giving up. Giving up. Something like that. Listen, don't do it. That's, all, that, that's basically what it is, is don't give up. And that's what we're going to talk about. (laughs) So let me bring my guests on. Would you please help me welcome Dr. Sharon Apopa and Pastor Jonathan Lamb? Hi, guys. Hello. (laughs) How's everybody's day today, first of all? Can we just jump into that? Purposeful. (laughs) Purposeful. I told Dr. Apopa I feel like I needed to have racing stripes on today because I was running all day. Absolutely. All day. Listen, today was a recipe for this podcast, Seven Ways Not to Give Up. <laughs> seven Ways to Give Up. No, joke. <laughs> seven Ways to Not Give Up. <laughs> Hilarious. Your knowledge to the table this evening. Oh, Hot off the press. <laughs> Hot off the press. That's right. So if you are joining us tonight, we are talking about seven ways to keep from giving up. And you guys, I hope you have your notebooks with you. As I say often, this is the kind of information that you want to sit with. This is the kind of information that you want to come back to. Uh, Hear it and then put it into practice and keep it in your notebook so that you can continue to measure yourself by these principles. Because... No, ain't no way that you could master it in a sitting. Okay. I'll tell you growth is a process. And I think I was listening to our episode last week. First of all, if you missed last week's episode with Dr. Crystal Clay, please, please go back 
and listen yep. to the audio. It was so good. It was so good. But we were talking about how growth takes a lifetime. Yes. And a lot of times we are disappointed and frustrated along the way because our expectation for how long it should take to grow is not in line with reality. Like we take a whole life to grow. Now we're not growing in the same area the entire time of our life. <laughs> we should be growing in different areas, but growth overall takes a lifetime. So don't give up, keep at it. And we're about to jump into the first point of the night. Seven ways to avoid giving up. Number one, understand the purpose of your pain. Yes, yes. And you know, while you were just bringing everybody on, I thought about something that might resonate with all of our listeners. And that was when we were growing up, they used to use this term growing pains. Yep. And your joints will be hurting sometimes and things like that. And your mama would say, look, girl, that's just growing pains. And in our life, as we're developing and going from a place of inertia to a place of fulfillment, mm -hmm. we experience pain. And what happens sometimes when we hear pain, we feel pain, we say, whoops, something terrible is happening. Yep. And so we frame it in a way that makes us become discouraged, makes us want to give up, think that the world is against us. But one of the things that keep us from becoming discouraged and giving up is understanding the purpose of our pain. Our pain propels us into purpose. That is so, so true. I'm going to let you weigh in, dear, before I... No, I bounce. think that's understanding why you are experiencing the pain that you are helps you in the journey. It helps you to endure it. And it also helps you to understand that you are growing. And so when I was, when I was younger, I used to lift weights a lot. And basically when you're lifting weights, you are tearing your muscle so it can rebuild stronger. And, and so when you are, if you don't know why you are having chest pains, you think, I'm about to have a heart attack. I need to go to the hospital, right? But if you know that you've been in the gym and you've been working out and you realize that that pain is just an indicator that you are growing, that you are building something, it gives you the endurance. Matter of fact, we began, while we didn't like the pain, we kind of looked forward to it because it indicated that something was changing in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And so again, when you understand why you are going through the pain, you understand like this is for purpose. Yeah. But if you're going through pain and you have no clue of why, it will make you want to give up. And you'll say, I don't know where I'm going, but whatever this is, I want to stop, right? <laughs> and so again, having an understanding of where you are going, having an understanding of why there is pain, why there is resistance, why there is discomfort, but that discomfort is an indication that there is movement. Mm -hmm. I love what the both of you all said. And what comes to mind to me is having proper expectations that the, the strides that you're making towards growth are going to yield some pain. Yeah. I think when I work out, uh, theoretically, <laughs> but when you work out, <laughs> there is an expectation of soreness the next day, right? If you really put in a, a good workout, especially if you are uh, like Dr. Apofa said, you're moving from inertia to purpose. Like you are 
there is an expected pain. But oftentimes when we're growing in other areas, I don't know that there's always an expected pain that comes with that. And I feel like sometimes it's alarming to us. Like, Mm -hmm. whoa, 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 what is this? What is this resistance? What is this, you know, what is this feeling that I feel? And because we don't always have those expectations that this growth may bring some pain and discomfort, it discourages us from continuing. Absolutely. So I just want to encourage somebody that's listening tonight. If you are being intentional about your growth in any area of your life, Part of an indicator of growth is pain. And in order to master growth, we have got to be really good at assessing where the pain is coming from. And if it's tied to purpose or if it is tied to recklessness mm-hmm. That's good. or something else. Recklessness is applicable in some situations, but sometimes the pain that we're experiencing is the pain of bad decisions. Sometimes the pain that we're experiencing is the harvest on a long season of neglect. And we're kind of trying to break ourselves in. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that couch to 5K situation where it's like, I haven't been working out this whole time. Now, all of a sudden, I need to expect that it's going to be painful for me to change forms and build a different momentum. So I hope that's helpful for you. Number two, establish an internal locus of control. Yes, yes, yes. So when we talk about locus of control, we talk about that actual, the core of what drives us, the operating system that drives our lives. And so an external locus of control, it usually will be defined like us, you know, taking our direction from, say, what our friends think or taking on and governing our lives by what social media tells us is right or, or things like that. But an internal locus of control means that we get centered. It's almost like getting God-centric. In the very core of ourselves, we become driven by our values, our own belief systems, our own spiritual knowledge and of God. So when we have an external locus of control and we're not really earning it because when out when it's an external locus of control, you're just going by what other people are saying. You haven't mm-hmm. ever, it's not you might not have experienced it or whatever, but an internal locus, that core control that comes from your experience, your beliefs, your values in God, becomes with a stabilizing force that even when the winds are blowing and the winds are because you've experienced it, because you're anchored in it, because you earned your beliefs, you can stay encouraged. So it's moving about all of those external things that drive you to a core center of beliefs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that as you grow that internal center of control, it also grows with you. Because I think early on, you are really open and you're looking around and you're taking your cues from your community. You're taking your cues from leadership figures. You're taking your cues from, but- If you're not careful, you can stay in that position and stay in that posture. And you just keep taking your cues instead of developing that internal knowing and that internal stabilizing factor that Dr. Apopa is talking about to say, no, this is what I believe. These are my core beliefs. This is what I understand my purpose to be. This is what I believe about God. This is what, you know what I mean? Those kinds of things that we take ownership for And we kind of take that power back from our community so that we're not living by consensus. You know, and 
Pastor C, it's really important what you're saying because it is developmental because we all know that when we started out and all the psychological theorists would tell us, we did what was right because we wanted to avoid pain. Mm-hmm. That was the right level. We didn't want pain, so we did things that were right. Then as we got a little bit more developed, we did what was right because we wanted reward. We wanted people to praise us. We wanted people to like us. We wanted to be included. And we knew that there were certain behaviors and things that if we did them would, would exclude us from society or from the peer groups that we want to be in. But then as we go up that chain, we come to what is called self-actualization, where we do something because it's the right thing to do. Whether we get praise for it or not, whether we exclude, we do something because it's the right thing to do. And so self-actualization really is something I think that goes along with just becoming that God-centered person. The word of God says it, so I do it. You know, I'm not looking for rewards. I'm not looking. If he blesses me, he does. If he doesn't, it's like the Hebrew boys, he said, if he takes us out of the fire, well, praise God. But if he doesn't take us out of the fire, I'm still going to serve him. That's that level of self-actualization, that point of internal levels of control that I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to go the full, go my journey, whether or not it brings me bad or good. Because at the end of the day, I know what the word of the Lord says. And I know mm-hmm. that he has the ability to work it all around. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So would you say that it's becoming more self-aware or is it a little bit different than just self-awareness? It's more because I could be self-aware. So self-awareness says more, I understand to a certain degree what makes me tick. Mm-hmm. But even though I may understand what makes me tick, do I have the capacity to move on a trajectory that takes me to that point of fullness or mm-hmm. not? And that depends on whether or not I'm going by what people say. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I do what people say, even though I know it's not good for me, even though mm-hmm. I know based on my understanding of who I am as a person, this is a bad decision for me. It's going to take mm-hmm. me down a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. Say so I could be included, mm-hmm. so I could be accepted. Mm-hmm. But self-awareness is a step in the process because mm-hmm. first of all, you have to know yourself. What do I need? What do I think? What do I feel? What makes me tick? What are my hot points? What are my triggers? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's part of it. And mm-hmm. then the locus of control is saying, now how do I control that? How do I manage this? These are the things that's going on. With, how do I manage them? Do I go to God? Do I go get a, a spliff? Do I have a, a drink? Like, what is, <laughs> what is my, you know, what is my locus mm-hmm. of control? What manages me in when I'm in crisis? What manages mm-hmm. me feeling discouraged and I want to give mm-hmm. up? Am I managed by what the world says? Go and get some pills and you'll feel some happy pills. What mm-hmm. manages mm-hmm. What is that mm-hmm. like when I'm discouraged? Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting, that's a really interesting concept that you're talking about, because I believe that it requires us to be way more thoughtful about what's going on the inside, way more thoughtful. I'm going to go to number three. Number three is stay the course. Yes. So I was talking to Pastor Jay while we were waiting to come on the show, and I was saying to him that a lot of times we become discouraged because we don't see fulfillment of that which was promised. But the fact that we don't see fulfillment is because we jump ship before we get to the fulfillment mm-hmm. stage. And so the grandma, my grandmother used to say, we've got to run on to see what the end will be. And in this life, the fu- we have, we're not as robust as our forefathers were. 
they could stand that they was used to say, we take a licking and keep on ticking. Keep on ticking. And mm-hmm. so we, they were very robust, but they were robust because they were strong in their faith. And so today we have to become intentional about staying the course, going to the end of a thing. You know, we can... Yes, we can have the opportunity where we have so much choice out there. So we go to college. If we don't like the course we're taking, we switch our major. I've heard of people who've had like three, four, five, six majors, you know, and they can do that because you know, the parents had money and stuff like that. But back in the day when I went to school, you didn't have that. You could only take one, make up your mind and go to the end because you only had so much money, you know? So you have to run on to see what happens if I get my degree in this or that. But nowadays they could say, okay, I'm switching here or there. So we don't, we're not as robust and we're not as, we don't have the stick to itness. But if you don't want to remove from discouragement, if you stay on to the end, you'll always see that the trials that start out at the end end up at the beginning rather end mm-hmm. up at working out for your good when he says mm-hmm. he works all things out to he don't say that he gives us everything good but he works it all out for good so we gotta let him keep on doing the working and i'll just say this one thing before i shut up but i remember back in the day my mom used to make a cake and if the cake fell she didn't throw it in the trash because she had 14 mouths to feed she would take that cake she would mix it with some other ingredients and she'll come out and she'll call it a duflicky. And that duflicky would be our dessert, which would sometimes end up much better than the cake that she started out to make. And so sometimes God's trying to make us into make us a duflicky. He if we stay the course, he'll take that broken situation, he'll mix it with his love, he'll mix it with his grace, and the duflicky comes out in our lives better than the cake that we started out making ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we must mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I want to touch on that stay the course piece because I think it is so important. I think some of the times the reason why it's hard for us to stay the course is because it feels like what we are experiencing is not in line with what we understand the promises of God to look like and feel like. And there are sometimes we're like, well, you know, God, you know, you're, you said that you're going to work all this out for my good, but it doesn't feel good right now. You said that you were going to bless the the works in my hands, but you know, it doesn't look, it doesn't seem like anything's happening. You said that you were going to open doors for me, but it doesn't feel like doors are being open for me. And so we're going into this place and it feels like, man, this is not, you know, this is not, I'm, I'm having a hard time reconciling because I don't feel like I'm feeling all of the good things that God is supposed to be doing in my life. And I'm in this tough season. And so it doesn't feel like it's adding up. But one of the things that the Bible is clear about is that the point of this walk with God and the point of this life is to endure until the end. And though we have promises of great things in our lives, it doesn't always mean that every day is pointed towards that great thing. There are some times where there are seasons that will build us and develop us so that we can point in the direction. There are some, for instance, if the Lord says, I'm going to bless the works of your hands and I'm going to prosper the works of your hands, you may go through a season where the Lord is developing an ethic in you, a faithfulness in you, a reliability in you, so that when you put your hand to do it, it is worth 
a blessing coming back. You know what I mean? And sometimes I think that we look for God to bless us in spite of our contribution. Not to say that God is paying us for our contribution, but I I don't know if we always have an understanding that God's expectation is that we would behave in such a way and that there's blessing connected to our obedience in behaving a certain way. Does that make sense? Anybody want to weigh in on that? Am I being clear as mud? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there is corresponding action, right? And there is a place where we have to, like, we have to put in effort in the journey, right? And so a lot of times where we look at life from a destination perspective, right? And I heard someone say it like this, you know, when we were kids, we would, you know, our parents would take us on a vacation. We would go across country or we'd go to an amusement park or something like that. Right. And so it'd be like Friday after school, we'd, you know, get in the car, what have you, but it would always be chaotic, right? It would always be chaotic, you know, put your clothes in there, do this. Are are we there yet? All this kind of stuff. But the reality is you started that vacation when you got in the car. You started this journey to a place of fun or a place of relaxation or what have you. But many times we are, we're not enjoying the journey and we're just, we think that the success or the, this whole thing starts and stops when we arrive, but you are, you are going through a course, a process to get there and on the way you are gathering tools so that you can enjoy the blessing of your arrival. But mm-hmm. here, I'm here to let you know that once you arrive, there's going to be something else to go after. That's the truth. Right. But I do want to say this. Because I think part of our struggle is we have many people on a journey, but they're not sure of where they're going. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. And it goes back to, because these are really progressive, even number two about the internal locus. There's many of us, especially if you grew up in a small community, if you grew up in a tight knit home, sometimes if you grew up in church, There are these belief systems that many times have been put on us based on culture, based on seasons, based on different things. And many times we are, I hope I'm not jumping into number four, but many times we are trying to navigate what we want and what others want and trying to make both parties happy. Hmm. And we don't know what course we are on. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why you have young people and people that keep making these changes is because we've made decisions to please certain folks. Now, this is coming from an ex people pleaser. So I'm just I'm, I'm going to give you my little bias. But we've made decisions in order to please others or to make them proud of us. But it's not always the thing that internally we really want it to do. Hmm. And if you never recognize or reconcile, what is it that you believe? What is it that you desire? The Bible says that he's going to give the desires of your heart, not your mama in them 
not your community, not even your church, but he's going to give you the desires of your heart. And many of us are terrified of our own desires because we had other people's desires placed on us. Hmm. And as if you start out the course, and I'm not saying that it's not good to glean and to learn and to be trained and all of those things, but at some point you, in order for you to stay the course, you've got to know what course you're on. And what happens is, is that we get hit with some things and we get in the middle of it and we're like, I didn't want to do this in the first place. (laughs) This wasn't my dream anyway, so it's easier to give up on it. But when you have reconciled and solidified and concretized that this is who I am, this is what I want, you are willing to go through the pain because it's your decision. And some of us have to begin to pause for a minute and see, is this thing that I'm trucking through that's wearing me out every day, is this my decision? Is this my course? Or am I running somebody else's course who gave up on their own? Ooh. So Pastor Jay, just, I mean, you're getting me excited because I think that one, another thing is that we don't have a vision and I would like people to drop in the chat. What is your vision? And Sister Candace, Pastor CEO, this vision board. But what is your vision? What does greatness look like to you? Even sometimes when we're on a pathway, we don't have a vision. We don't know when we've gotten there. So with this point, we have no concept of what greatness looks like for us. So sometimes we pass right by our opportunity for greatness because we didn't know what it looked like. So let us know. If you're listening tonight, drop in the chat. Do you know what greatness looks like for you? Can I jump on that real quick? Because I think that a lot of people struggle with their own greatness and we apologize for our greatness and we apologize for our strengths. And what (laughs) happens many times is that when you start asking people, you know, what are you good at or what are your strengths? They don't mention the thing that comes easy to them. The first thing we see is our flaws. Hmm. because somewhere along the line, we were taught not to pursue greatness. But when you decide not to pursue greatness, you decide to be mediocre. Somebody put that in the chat, please. When When you you decide, hold on one second. Yes. Mm -hmm. Say it one more time. One more time. Just like you you refuse to be great or to pursue greatness. You make a decision to be mediocre or average. And so there is this thing that, especially in church, unfortunately, that has steered us away from being great. And we are learning, we've been taught pride, pride cometh before destruction, but pride and greatness are not the same thing. And so, again, there are things that come easy to you. There are things that you enjoy. There are things that are unique to you. And because they become easy in your mind and my mind, we feel as though, well, if it's easy to me, it must be easy to everyone because how can I be great and how can I be unique? But I'm telling you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made Marvelous is God's works. You have been created an original. Do not die a copy. Wow. Wow. 
Wow. It's time for you to lean in to your strengths and stop spending all your life trying to develop your weaknesses when you, the Lord will bring folks that will leverage your weakness so that you can thrive in your strength. And so again, we are so sin conscious and we are so fault conscious. The first thing we see is our flaws. And we will neglect our strengths and therefore neglect the seed of our greatness. I'm just going to so pass true. It That's exactly what Dr. Clay was talking about last week with the imposter syndrome. No matter how well you do, no matter how many wins you have, you still cannot see how great you are. Exactly. And Pastor Jay, when you were talking, I really heard the Spirit of the Lord saying that tonight he wants to break self-fulfilling prophecies over our lives because we speak and we minimize but we ex- our lives and then we expect everybody else to glorify our lives what we speak creates that which we're going to receive so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if i say i'm not that new gifts i'm the, it's just you know i'm not that good or whatever even though in your spirit you know that something else is there because you speak the negative things over your own life, then you have a self-fulfilling prophecy. Nobody else has to prophesy bad over you. You're prophesying bad all over yourself. Good night. And part of that is, is that you are making a declaration in the middle of the process. You got to be careful that you don't put a period in in your season when there is just a comma. That's Mm -hmm. so true. You can begin to determine like, or you begin to bring judgment in a snapshot of your journey. One of the things that I wrote down here, Psalms one, when you get a chance, look that up, that whole passage is powerful, but it says this, it says that when you don't walk in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, you delight yourself in the Lord, Lord, you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season right i'm telling you you've got to be aware of what season you are in come on because every season is not a fruit bearing season that's right that's right and many times we are comparing ourselves to other people in their fruit bearing season when it's our season to rest or yes. our Come season on. to train, our season yes. to develop. Yes. And if you're not yes. careful, and, and I've lived this way for years, we will live in a season that we are not in yet. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. And we will be discouraged. We will be waiting for the shift. We will be waiting for the fruit. And by the time we get to that next season, we're already bored and disappointed because we lived in this season so long that when the manifestation of it shows up, we're like, we're not even excited about it. It's true. I just want to kind of piggyback on that really quickly, because part of what we're identifying tonight in terms of reasons that we want to give up, like part of the reason why we want to give up is not just us. It's not just what's going on between our two ears. We have an enemy. And there is a tactic that he uses to cause us to be so frustrated or cause us to waste our resources in a particular area so that we're not able to gain the momentum that we need to. And part of the things that we're talking about tonight, 
knowing what your path is, like knowing what your course is so that you won't give up on it. Right. And being able to, what was the last point that you just made dear? Knowing what season you're in and knowing what season, like these are fundamental things that we have got to know and be able to identify. And if we don't like that is prime real estate for the enemy to come in, to steal, to kill and to destroy. It's the same tactic. Did God really say, right? It's the same thing that he does to Eve. If we don't have a firm grasp on what the Lord is saying to us, if we don't have a firm grasp on the direction, if we don't have a firm grasp on what season we're in, it's constantly, did God really say, right? So in the season that I should be resting, then the threat is, well, did God really say that you should be resting or are you just being lazy? Do you need to get up and work? Right. And then the time when you're working, the thing is, well, did God really say that you need to be working? Cause you know, you don't want to overwork because you know, sometimes we just need balance and you just need to rest. Right. And so he's always trying, it's like opposite day. He's trying to get us to do the opposite thing that the Lord really has planned for us in that season, which is why we've got to be so, so crystal clear on what it is. That's all I wanted to chime in on. No, that's powerful. The other scripture I wrote down was Jeremiah 29. We all know, or most of us, if you've been in church any length of time, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, four, I know the thoughts that I think of you, says God, thoughts to prosper you, to give you an expected end, not to hurt you or harm you, right? But before that, before he even gets to that, right? He's telling them this because he's like, listen, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. But don't fret. Don't worry. Like, I am with you even in this captivity. So he says, I need you to build houses, verse 5. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for in its peace, you will have peace. There are seasons where the Lord is increasing you before you get to your promised land. Come on here. And so, and what happens is if you don't hear God, you will think that you've been forgotten. You will only see the captivity and not take, you will not take advantage of the opportunity that's in there. And so he's saying, listen, while you are here for 70 years, I need you to build houses. Come on. I need you to plant gardens. I need you to eat. I need you to marry. I need you to have children. Because when you come out, you're coming out better than what you went in. You better you're coming out in mass. You're coming out in force. You're going to learn some things that when you come out, you're coming out with momentum. And then he says, for I know the thoughts that I think of you. Listen, some of you are in a holding pattern right now because you need to heal from some things. Some of you are in a holding pattern right now because you need to stack cash right now. This is not a money spending season. This is a money saving season because in the next season, you're going to be able to get things pennies on the dollar. So you've got to track with God and not look at always the limitation, but look at the opportunity that God is preparing you so that when you come out, you come out with momentum. That's so true. That's so true. And how many of us can look back in our lives and say that there were seasons in my life where it was hard on my flesh, but my spirit flourished. 
It was hard on my flesh, but my mind flourished. It was hard on my flesh, but what I, what I developed out of that was so much greater than what I went in with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I love how you said that because it is such a lesson. And I feel like we have been, I'm not going to cast blame, but I feel like so oftentimes we are so inundated with the fact that God wants to bless you. God only wants to do good things for you. That when we go through something that doesn't feel good, it's like, obviously this cannot be God, but the Lord is saying, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. First of all, that's a lifetime for somebody. What happens if you're in captivity your whole life, right? And sometimes we're like, well, I just want to rush past the bad part. I just want to rush past the bad part. But God's like, there is a host of instruction that you need to be utilizing in the time that feels pinchy, crunchy, hard, pressing, right? And we just want to be like, ooh, ooh, get me out of here. Ooh, get me out of here. <laughs> I'm going to pray, 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 pray till this season is over. And the Lord's like, I'm trying to talk to you. I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to tell you something Ooh, so on. that you can capitalize, that you can maximize this time because this trouble won't last always for you. That's it. It won't and last always. But if you don't capitalize in the time where it's pinchy, when you transition into a time where you're supposed to be blessed, where you're supposed to be abundant, if you haven't done the preparation, then you do elongate the trouble because you're not prepared for the season you were in. You didn't prepare in the season that you were in and you're not prepared for where you're going. That's it. And it's not just about you. When they came out of it, he said, give your sons to marriage, give your daughters to marriage. Why? Because God is thinking generationally. How many of us wish that our parents had a huge inheritance that they left us? Yeah. Praise the Lord. I love my parents. Glory <laughs> to God. But what happened? Somebody did not prepare. Somebody was shopping. And what I'm telling you is that the blessing of the Lord on your life is not going to start and end with you. It will transfer to your offspring. Come on. And you've got to begin to think bigger. Mm -hmm. And let me say, I just felt this in my heart. Like, we've got to be careful that we don't judge even our parents and grandparents and great parents, great grandparents too harshly because they built some things. They dug some trenches and dug some foundations in order for us to be able to launch from. And sometimes we look back and we're like, y'all didn't have no dreams. Y'all didn't have this. Y'all didn't have. No, the Lord was using them to prepare a platform for you to have exposure and for you to go further and faster. Yeah. And the question is, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Dr. Popa, what your God hand. has prepared for you. Go ahead, Dr. Popa. Well, I'm saying, so Pastor Jay, as you're talking, you know, what you're talking about makes me know that right now in this season, this day, this evening, what God is doing with us is causing cognitive shifts. He has so many blessings for us, but he cannot use us with our old mindsets. He cannot use us as long as we continue to, uh, 
as Pastor C put it, when we were uh, together a couple of months ago, the lies that the devil tells us. As long as we continue to embrace in our minds, in our thinking, you know, the things, the lies that the devil has shifted us, we will never make that cognitive shift. Because as you were saying, you were talking about seasons. And as you were talking about, you know, but for some people, the, the adverse season is their greatness. But they have to have that cognitive shift. In order to, you know, and I, I was thinking about, like, I was looking at Netflix the other day. Harriet Tubman was at her greatest when her people were enslaved, you know. So it looked like a really bad season, but it was actually her, the season designed for her to shine. So if we make that cognitive shift and take on the mind of Christ and see things, we will not be discouraged. You know, it's kind of like when... Um, the psalmist said, I was looking all around outside and I was getting discouraged. It looked like the wicked were prospering and, have, and mm-hmm. we were dying. And then I went into the sanctuary. And I believe when he went into the sanctuary, he had that cognitive shift. His yeah. mind became aligned and his thinking became aligned with the truth of the word of God. And then he was no longer discouraged. The wicked were still prospering outside, but his mind had changed. Mm-hmm. And so that, it's causing, if we want to excel in growth and greatness in this season, we have to allow our minds to change. That's Come it. on, that's so good. That's so good. That's if that is resonating with you, please put something in the chat. Like, I don't know about you, but I want my mind to change. If that's the thing that's holding me back, change my mind. That's it. Change my mind. Like that as a, is as a man or woman thinketh, so, so is are he. they, exactly. right? So how are you thinking about your circumstances? Come on. And exactly. many times, you know, a great man of God said, he said it like this. You don't pay attention to what's happening to you. Pay attention to what's happening in you. Yes. Because as you're hitting these things, growth is happening. And when growth happens, greatness is right behind it. Come on. Right. But if you get hit with things and you sit in a pity party and you sit and this is unfair and this is, listen, there's some things in this season that the Lord's been dealing with me about that have been authentic. Like I've been upset about them. There are offenses that have happened in my childhood. Right. And the Lord's like, you're absolutely right. Like what happened was unfair. It wasn't. It wasn't good. It was, you know, all of those things. All your feelings are right. But the question is, what are you going to do with it? Why are you still stuck 30, 40 years ago, right? When there's so much more in front of you, right? And it's what are you doing with the circumstance? And are you putting your hope, oh God, are you putting your hope and your destiny in the mindset or in the hands of people. In other words, are you waiting for them to come and apologize? Are you waiting for them to act better before you pursue your growth and greatness? Some of us are sitting with our hands folded, our heels dug in to prove a point to people that don't even know who they are. And I'm telling you, it's time to let it go. It happened. Forgive them. They haven't apologized. But it, you have more life in front of you than the offenses behind you. Oh, my God. And some of us are handcuffed to mediocrity because somebody hurt our feelings 
And we are, listen, when you walk into your greatness, your feelings will be subpar. <laughs> when Joseph got to the palace and his brothers showed up, he was, listen, he was balling so out of control. Can I say it that way? He, listen, he had prospered so much. He was second in command. All of these things, everything that he went through for those 13, almost 20 years paled in comparison to where God had established him. And he got to the place of the blessing of God that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow, that even when his offense shows up, he could forgive it. Amen. Oh Listen, don't lose twice. Don't Amen. be offended and stuck. Don't be offended and average when God has set you on a course for blessing and growth and greatness. Mercy. Oh my God. My God. Mercy. I done forgot all about our list. Hold on a second. I know. The list has gone by the wayside. But I mean, could you, I mean, Pastor Jay, you're, you're like almost compelling me to just give these people a quick testimony. Quick, quick, give quick, it. quick testimony. So, and I don't, you know, but I'm, but I'm thinking, I was thinking about when I was growing up as a child and, you know, when between the age of five and 10, I had a brother who was very abusive and would sexually abuse us and all these things. But there was the one thing that stayed, that I learned in Sunday school that stayed in my mind was that Jesus loves me. So I kept on saying, Jesus, you love me. There's got to be more to this than this. Because if not, you're not a God that loves. Got to, there's got to be more to this. And that, my, that thought, Jesus loves me, just stayed with me for years and years and years. And it propelled me to move through all the things that have happened in life. Going, yeah. you know, and I said to God, I said, God, if you deliver me from this, I will advocate for children for the rest of my life. I was like five, six, seven, eight, nine, up to 10. And let me tell you that God is definitely a God of, of purpose and a God of fulfillment. Because if you can get your mind and make that shift, I could, you know, I could have said, oh, God is a terrible God. Why would a God do something? But the word of the Lord said, God is a God of love. And so through the process, that things kept in my mind. And I can tell you today that the blessings of the Lord that have come through my life as a result of staying the course no matter what, okay. the lives that I've been able to touch, the lives that I've been... Because what happens is when you stay the course and you allow God, when you get to that point, you can know, you know, you can resonate with those who are coming behind you. You can know those who need that ministry. So it's one of the things that the process does, it develops empathy. Mm -hmm. Yes. You your process. Whatever it is that God takes you through, He also grows empathy in you through the experiences. So mm -hmm. that when you get to that point of greatness, you know, first of all, that it's not nothing else but God. Like, you know, it's nothing else that got me here for mm -hmm. God. But also you know that the same God that took you through this journey has the power and the capacity to bring others through. So you then become able to instill hope in everyone that you meet, that the Lord who is faithful, the God is no respect or persons. And so even tonight, I want to say to people that it doesn't really matter what you have been through in life. It matters if you hear what God is saying about you. That's it. 
And when you know what God is saying about you and make that cognitive shift because the worldview says this. I mean, it's funny because the, the worldview says that people who were abused as children either end up as prostitutes, they, they end up as drug addicts. That's mm-hmm. the worldview. Mm-hmm. God said, I can take every single thing that ever happened to you and manifest my goal through your life. So, you know, we have to, I mean, and that's coming to the next point, but we have to determine what we want to set our mind for, our mind on, mm-hmm. you know. And you cannot have two opposing thoughts going on in your mind. I challenge everybody right now, try to think at the same time, I hate myself and I love myself. Try to think about it at the exact same nanosecond. Try to do them both. It is absolutely impossible to yeah. keep Pursing thoughts in your mind so that when you are feeling like you want to feel discouraged, start thinking on whatever things are good, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are love, just whatever things are good report. Because when you start thinking and think intentionally on those things, then the spirit of discouragement can have no place in your life. It's true. It's true. I'm looking at the chats here and I've got some people that are chiming in. I just want to shout out. I see Paul. He was talking about how the Lord helped him in a through his past with drugs and alcohol, but now yeah. he sees himself out here talking to folks about their future and their current situation, and how you know God is using that for him to be a help to others. Um, I see Miss Avery said about what God says about me and how He sees me is all that matters. It is so true. It's yeah. all that matters. I love the idea that you were talking about not being able to have two opposing thoughts. Although you cannot have two opposing thoughts at the same time, your life can indicate when you have two opposing thoughts in a season. Yes. And I think that sometimes we suffer from that because we're not able to gain the traction in any particular direction. We can't walk forward for walking back. We can't walk mm-hmm. back for trying to push our way. <laughs> we can't walk in a, you know what I mean? We're like walking around in circles. And so I want to encourage somebody today to, you know, I love the the testimony that Dr. Popa gave because it really is the story of redemption. There is no pain that you have experienced as a human being that God cannot turn around. Number one, that he cannot heal. And number two, that he cannot turn around and cause it to work for your good in the long run. Mm -hmm. God does not waste any of our experiences. He really does redeem them. He really can redeem them as we surrender them to him, as we surrender ourselves and our ways to him. He really can cause those things that seemed detrimental to be a real, to be the source of a blessing or and restoration mm-hmm. in another season. That's so it. I just want to encourage you with that. The next thing that the next point is number six. So number five, I don't know if we got that was to maintain a growth mindset. That's what we were talking about. When we have a closed mindset and we think we know it all, we miss an opportunity to learn new skills. That's number five. I'm sorry. I skipped one. Number four was practicing mindfulness, not being able to hold two opposing thoughts. Do we get that? Number four, practice mindfulness. Make sure that if you're going forward, that you're thinking forward. Yes. (laughs) If you're going backwards, think backwards, but don't think backwards. Go forward. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a choice. Yes. It's an intentional choice. Yes. I need y'all to understand that because especially those of you that have come out of church and we talk about the miracles of God and, and God does miracles, signs, wonders, all of those things. But again, like TV, the Bible is not giving you the story in real time, right? <laughs> it's chapter and verse, but you've got to choose. You got to make the choice. It's not just gonna, he's not a genie in a bottle. He's not just waving a magic wand. Like there are times you got to choose when you want, when it's easier to choose lesser, you've got to choose to go for what is yours, right? Even Jesus, Jesus came to die for us, right? And the night before he he's going to die. He's having a conversation with the father saying, listen, can this cup pass for me? I don't want to go through this. I don't want to matter of fact, even before he gets there and he's telling his disciples, he's like, listen, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to suffer some things. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. And Peter's like, no, that's not going to happen to you. We're going to fight for you. We're going to, and he was like, get behind me, Satan. Why? Peter was trying to be an encouragement. Peter was trying to be ride or die. But Jesus is like, I'm already struggling with this purpose, this purpose of greatness, this purpose of which I'm called to be. I know I'm called. I've been born to die. I've been born to do this, but I'm struggling. And I cannot allow you to stop this, my mindset. And so I feel God right here. Some of us, we have to begin to remove the things that make it easy for us to give up. Oh, that's good. Sometimes we have to remove the people that make it easy for us to compromise and to give up. Come on. And I love the example that you use because when Peter said that, Jesus wasn't like, get out of here. You ain't my disciple no more. Peace out. No, he said, get behind me. He said, get behind me. And so sometimes we are ready to pull out our scissors. We'd be like, where are they at? I'm cutting you off. But Jesus was like, we're still in relationship, but I have got to put your voice in its proper place. And that is behind me. I am making a choice to go in another direction. And we are not on the same page about it. So you've got to go behind so that I can continue to move forward. You got to make a choice, y'all. It's going to be resistance. It's going to get hard sometimes. It's, Jesus was in the, in the garden and his sweat turned to blood because he was under so much pressure, right? He was like, I don't want to do this, but nevertheless, never that which is less. And you've got you've to, again, establish that internal locus of control what you believe, I'm not going to do the lesser. Come on. I'm Amen. going to go after greatness. I'm not going to switch or turn around midstream. I'm not going to choose average over greatness. Come on. That's good. Here's the thing. That pain that you feel is temporary. That's the yeah. truth. But if you decide to turn and go for average, that will become permanent. And that yeah. will be a pain that you don't want. Listen, Man, it'll good. be a lingering pain. It'll be regret and bitterness. And what I'm telling you is you can do this, but you're going to have to fight for it. Mm-hmm. Some of you, I feel this in my heart. You are ready to fight for everybody else. But this is a season that you need to fight for you. 
Fight for the call of God that's on your life. You are willing to put yourself on the back burner to help somebody else, to encourage somebody else. To You start and stop because you see the needs in others. But part of that is you're avoiding the thing that you know you should be doing. If I'm talking right, put something in the chat. I'm telling you, it is time for you to stay the course, be consistent, choose life, choose greatness, because that is where your help is. That is where your resources, that is where your fulfillment is. That is where God is. Come on, come on. It's not on the list, but I think that if we don't want to give up, we got to learn to manage our expectations. Yeah. Trials are going to come. Tribulations yeah. are going to come. Detours are going to come. Manage your expectations. Don't expect to be on this flowery bed of ease, tiptoeing through the tulips. The Bible says that the violent take it things by force. If we have to fight and contain for our faith, and so we have to manage our expectations. Come on. We've been and logged into this place of, you know, laissez-faire, you know, lackadaisical, yep. that, you know, I'm just going to sit here and it's just going to mm-hmm. fall upon me. No. Manage your expectations. Determine in your heart. Be intentional. I am going to fight. I am going to, as the Bible says, contend for the That's yeah. it. That's it. Why, why, why uh, have the uh, then, armor if we're, if we're not going to fight? Like, why would the scriptures tell us to put it on every day if there wasn't a reason? Exactly. So good. I hope this is blessing y'all tonight. It's blessing me. We have a few more and we're over time, but that's all right. Not the first time. (laughs) So number five is maintain a growth mindset. This has been a theme that we've been talking about in different episodes, but posturing ourselves to always be learning. Yes. And never capping ourselves at what we think we know. Who wants to take it? I'm not well, touching I, it, but that's a whole show right there. It really <laughs> is a whole show. It really is a whole show. Because we're talking about never giving up. You know, one of the things about, you know, people's heard this before, is that the Chinese symbol for danger, I mean, for, for crisis, is danger and opportunity. Mm. And that is because in the midst of every danger, in the midst of any crisis, there's an opportunity to learn. You know, and so having uh, having a growth mindset means that I mean, so having the opposite of a growth mindset is a closed mindset. You know, where we think that it, it you know, the way it is, it's the way it's always going to be. My mama done it this way, my daddy, you know, I, whatever I've got in skills are in aiding me, and nothing's going to ever change. So why try? You know, and so that leads to basically to death. To sh- you shrivel up, if you know. But the growth mindset, the opportunity to learn, means that in every time we meet opposition in our lives, we say, "Okay, this is an opportunity. What can I learn from this? How can I grow? How can I change?" Absolutely. Yeah, so you know what I mean? So again, you know, it's, okay, I, I have to, <laughs> I have to jump on this one because. You know, growth is so near and dear to my heart. It is so near and dear to my heart because I really believe that God has something in mind for humankind. I believe that God has a really amazing, I believe that he He has a vision for what mankind can be with his spirit on the inside of them. Mm-hmm. And he allowed us to see a picture of that with Jesus. But even when Jesus was walking the earth, Jesus told us that greater works that we would do. 
Yes. When he went to the father. And so I am compelled because I'm like, God, if Jesus was able to do all of these things, you know what you put in us, you know what you put in this flesh. And if the only reason why I am not experiencing greater works is because I am convinced that I know it all at 40 years old, like what in the world? Like, you know what I mean? And some of us, you know what I mean? Like there were seasons where I felt like I knew it at 20 as if (laughs) I knew less then (laughs) than I know now. And I know nothing now, (laughs) you know what I mean? Relatively speaking. And so it really is about what we were saying, like understanding and having realistic expectations I do not know everything. Miles Monroe said this when we graduated college. He said, you have a degree of learning in a 365 degree scope. You have one degree of learning. Sometimes we feel like the experiences that we have are the experience, are all of the experiences that can be had. And that's simply not true. Sometimes we think that the things that we know are is all that can be known. And that's simply not true. It's simply not true. I read an article one time that said recently that was talking about how many people really read after they graduate school. And it was upwards of 70% of adults don't even pick up a book for leisure after they graduate college. Can you imagine just the idle space of your brain that's not being used but then in, in worship, we want to be like, if you can use anything, God, use me. He's like, to do what? <laughs> you can't do much. <laughs> All right. Read a book. <laughs> Learn a skill. Learn a trade. <laughs> like the Lord's like, okay, I'm going to use you. But before I use you, now I got to I gotta do like the matrix and download a whole situation into your brain because you never read a book. So it's got to be like a whole immaculate conception situation because you won't take advantage of the information that's in the earth. That's it. Exactly. Like do something to show the glory of God in you. Use the mind of Christ. Why would he give it to us if he never meant for us to use it? And some of us, we don't even scratch the surface of what can be done. One of the things that I realized too, and this is something that I hope is helpful, but like I realized that even hearing the voice of God, my ability to hear and understand the voice of God develops as I read books, as I understand new things. I am exposed to more. God can begin to give me different kinds of word pictures in my mind because I understand the world and I understand things more. So instead of him having to give me really crude examples of things that may or may not be spot on, he's able to use different types of complex things because I understand what they are. And that that allows God to put you on different platforms. Mm-hmm. Some of us are stuck in one space because we won't grow in our knowledge. We won't expose ourselves to new ideas and new or different people or what have you, right? When we look through, and I'm talking to my church folks, like you look through the Old Testament and most of the people that we celebrate, they were not pastors or ministers. They were leading countries. They were prime ministers. Like the Hebrew, Daniel and the Hebrew boys, the Bible says that God gave them the ability to learn and to understand the language and the culture of the Chaldeans. 
And then he gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams. But before he gives them supernatural things, he gives them the ability to learn the culture so they can be useful in the nation. And when they go before the king, the king's like, ain't nobody as smart as you all are 10 times better than everybody that is in my government. So I am going to put you over my provinces. They were enslaved. Like they weren't even a part of that nation. But the Lord gave them things intellectually that they could begin to run things. And then where they were, those people saw God through them. Amen. I love that you said that the scripture says that he gave them the ability to learn and that he didn't just tell them stuff. Sometimes we just want God to tell us stuff. And the Lord's like, but I've given you an anointing to learn, to apply yourself to knowledge. The Bible says in all of your getting, get an understanding. Don't just get the answer. Don't just get what you think is right. Get an understanding because there is value in an understanding and understanding the gospel and understanding where you are in life and understanding what your emotions are doing and how they're helping or hurting you and understanding what your community is doing to help or to harm you and understanding growth and where you are in relation to where God is trying to take you in understanding it all. If we're going to be the light in dark places, we need something that's going to get us in the room. Folks are not pulling you into a dark room because you can speak in tongues. They'll pull you in the room because you'll make their business better. They'll pull you in the room because you have solution for the thing that they're trying to do. And then once you get in the room, then God lights you up, right? But you got to be smart and credible and bring solution and move the needle and all of these things. You all heard Dr. Apopa sharing her testimony, but I don't know if you understand the kind of rooms and the kind of seats that she sat in or sits in. She was running child and adolescence, a multi-million dollar operation in Bermuda. She was running the child division of that and bringing impact, not because she was so anointed, right? Not but just. Because she, her degree, she, and don't get it twisted, she's anointed. But what I'm saying is her degrees, her intellect, her ability to speak, her ability to network, her ability to run teams, her ability to strategize, her ability to lift others. And they were doing things that most places could not pull clinicians together to do, right? And then while she's there running it and has credibility, then the Holy Ghost starts showing up. Now she's ministering. Now she's doing all of these things. Now she's like, there are doors swinging open. And can I, listen, I'm not trying to tell her business, but lucrative door. <laughs> like the Lord is not just trying to put you on a pew so you can prophesy to folks that should already be hearing his voice. He's about to put you in nations and platforms where you can bring solution, where you can eat from it, and he can bring impact on the platform that he placed you on. So now there are doors opening up in Africa. There's doors opening up all over the place because she did the hard work and did not give up. And now the anointing is there on top of the intellect. God's putting his super on her natural. And now when I tell you multiple, incredible, global doors are opening, 
this is why you've got to be, you've got to get into rooms. You've got to get around people that are doing things bigger than you. If you are the biggest thinker, the biggest dreamer, the biggest visionary in your realm of influence, in your circle of friends, uh, circle of peers, then you need a different circle. You need to run. The Lord is doing some things, but the Lord is also talking to you about taking a class. You're like, I don't want to take that class. I'm not even interested. He's trying to get you into that class, not for the class, but for the people that are in that class. Yeah. God is a strategist. Come on. Listen, you're asking, Lord, increase me. I need breakthrough in my finances. Ha, yeah, 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 yeah. I need all these things. And the Lord's like, okay, I need you to read this book and go to this class. I don't want to do that. I just want to lay before the Lord and fast. No, you need to meet some people. You need to let God move the needle in your life by getting uncomfortable. Feel God right there. I know we got to go. I'm sorry. No, it's good. We have two more and I feel like they're similar. So number six is learn to laugh at yourself. One way to avoid giving up is learn to laugh at yourself. Listen. And it's true, Pastor Candice, laughter, and we don't have time to go into it, but I challenge you to go and research it. Laughing has so many benefits. Laughing relieves the stress it has a good impact on your heart because when you have a good gut hearty laugh, it increases the oxygen in your blood that goes and supports the heart. You know, it tells you that laughter helps to increase your immune system. It releases endorphins that help to increase your mood and also laughter has so many values. And the Bible tells you that, you know, it's like, it's good like a medicine. Mm -hmm. And the impact that it has on your psychological and physiological well-being. And so some of us, because we've been shamed and blamed and all, we can't even consider the thought of laughing. But laugh at yourself in something ridiculous. But it comes with understanding that you're more than the sum total of your experiences. If, if, we, if you define yourself by your experience and think that all I am is the whatever violation, the domestic violence, the divorce, if you think that you're only a sum total of your experiences, then you'll never laugh at yourself. But when Mm -hmm. you understand that I am more than the sum total of all my experiences, all the bad things that have happened to me are more than that. They are, you go sit back and just start laughing. First, just laugh at the devil. Say, you stupid devil. <laughs> you think you got, you know, I know that I'm bigger than this. And laughing is infectious. So not only do you get a fulfilled, the people around you also, and people, the other thing, people love to be around people who are joyful. You know, they misery likes company, but I don't know about all that. But I know that joyfulness and laughter is infection. So if you're by yourself and you're laughing, somebody's coming because they say, what's the joke? You know, and they would so learn to laugh at yourself. Don't take life so seriously. Mm-hmm. And it will affect your entire being. Mm-hmm. I used to think that laughing... I used to think that laughing at things was irresponsible. Like, you know, life is like, you know, these are real things. These are whatever, whatever. But like the Lord has, he's so good to us and he, he covers us so well. And he's like, I'm the one that's leading you. I'm the one that's guiding you. Pastor Jay said it when he referred to Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm the one that's going to bring you to an expected end. And it's only expected because I see the end from the beginning. And I'm the one that mapped out all of your days. I'm the one that wrote them before even one of them came to be. So take it easy. Just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> just, just calm down. 
So that is so good. I see Miss Avery in here. She's talking about laughing at uh, when the enemy brings back to her old thoughts and how simple it was to stress over nonsense. Like when the Lord brings you into another place, it is Come true. On. It's laughable. Like I can't believe I was tripping I the way that I was. Exactly. So learn to laugh. It is not that deep. It is not that deep. Thank and God. You, if you don't know how to do it, practice. Go on the computer, find some jokes, you know, find a comedy and practice it. You know, some people really uh, have to be intentional because like you, Pastor C, I was like, life is serious, right? But then, you know, when I start to laugh, I then made a vow to my whole team at the office. I will make you laugh once a day. And I did that for the whole 26 years. Every day I made so the team has a reason to laugh. And it wasn't the only reason, but we were such a cohesive team because no matter how bad it got, we intentionally laughed and looked for something and it brought us together. So laugh with your family, you know, even in the midst of heart and pain, find something to laugh about. I love it. And our last point for tonight is to be intentional about having fun. Yes. Growth is hard on its own. Don't be all, don't be too deep about it. <laughs> it's going to take a bite out of crime regardless. You better have some fun along the way. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and on that note, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, have your book. So I had night to, this is my next, this is probably going to have people put me on the altar, but you know, on my bucket list this year, I had, I wanted to go dancing for my birthday. And I, I got all of my, my, my mentees, younger women and me, and we all went out and we had such an amazing time dancing. We weren't bumping and grinding with nobody. Well, we good. were just all acting silly on the floor. But the fact is that having fun, I realized how much I hadn't had fun. Like how many years I've been so serious about being intentional and how much my face relaxed. Like, no matter, I, I probably would have had less wrinkles had I been out there having fun. Now, you know, but yeah, just going out there, being intentional, it just relaxes you. It just gives you energy for the next journey and the next challenge and the next hurdle. But build some fun into your life. Whatever Amen that to is. that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Really Enjoy the you, you want to chime in on that, Pastor Jay? I just want to say, enjoy the journey. Enjoy yes. the journey. Like, again, that first, I think, story that I gave or analogy that I gave, so many of us were waiting to get to the amusement park. And there's so much fun that can happen in the midst of that, on your way to the big thing, on your way to the promised land. Like, enjoy the journey. When you get in the car, start enjoying the journey. Don't fight all the way. By the time you get to the music park, you don't even want to go in. You fighting with each other. You tired. You mad. No, enjoy the journey. It's so true. It's so true. I think if anything COVID taught us is that life is short. Mm -hmm. yes. Love the people that you love and love yes. them well. Love them well. Enjoy them. Because when you don't have an opportunity to enjoy them anymore, you will be riddled with all of the opportunities that you missed. So love each other, take care of each other, have fun, dance with somebody, go yes. out and have a good time. Not too good. Now we're still growing towards greatness. Don't take a step back. Listen. 
Don't get tripped up. <laughs> Don't get tripped up. Make sure you dance with the right partner. Get your belief system right. <laughs> you all, thank you so much for joining us tonight. As always, it is always, always, always a pleasure to be with you. We went over tonight, but I feel like it was worth it for somebody. I see people who have indicated that they've been blessed by this episode. If you haven't yet, please go to my website, candicelam.com. There you can sign up for the newsletter. The newsletter has a really exciting event that's going to be coming up. I'm going to share it with you in just a few, but make sure that you sign up for the newsletter. Make sure that you get the free downloadable that's available this month. And I've got an exciting new downloadable that'll be available at the end of this month. So make sure that you're getting these guys. I'm telling you, they will help you. They will help you. I want to say a special, special thank you to Dr. Sharon Apopa and the love of my life, Pastor Jonathan Lamb. <laughs> Can I say one thing? Sure, of course. So, I just really feel impressed tonight that there are at least two or three people on that are really ready to explode and that purpose and have a collision with their pain. So I'm going to give you three books of my latest book, The Collision, an anthology on when pain meets purpose. And whoever reaches out to you who really is ready to say, I'm tired of just lose, living in pain. I want now to make my pain work for me. They can hit you up on your, and you will, I'll drop the books to you for uh, like three or four books for those people who really are saying, I'm ready for the shift. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If you want one of those books, go to my website, www.candislam.com and leave a message for me there. And I will respond to you and get those books to you. I have one other really exciting thing that I want to share with you all. And I think for now, it's just going to be a save the date. Uh Oh, I'm messing up. Uh, it's going to be a save the date, but can you please do me a favor and mark this in your calendars? November 10th is the date. Okay. We are, yes. Okay. Oh, can you see it? Okay. November 10th at 7 p.m. at the Media Lounging Cafe and Dockyard, we are having a growth and greatness show live. And it is going to be so fun. We are already in the works. I'm telling you guys, you don't want to miss this event. Seating is limited. So if you want to get your ticket, I will let you know. Keep watching my Facebook page and my Instagram page because as soon as the tickets are available, I will post them on my page because I want you guys there. I want to see you. I want to hug you. I want to take pictures with you. I want us to come together and get to know each other because all of this is a journey. And I want you guys to be a part of my community and I want to be a part of yours. This is going to be so, so great. We've already got guests lined up, but I'm going to keep them a secret for now until just a little bit before so that you guys you guys can be in shock and awe, and it's going to be so great. So <laughs> I look forward to seeing you guys there again Thursday, November 10th at 7 p.m. You don't want to let this opportunity miss, okay? Please, please, please mark your calendars, and I will let you know as soon as those tickets are available. We've taken enough time tonight. We love you. God bless you. See you next week. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Growth and Greatness podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe to make sure you never miss a new episode. And follow me on social media at Candice Lamb. That's C-A-N-D-I-C-E-L-A-M-B-E. To catch the replay of this live show, check out my channel, Rain Life Entertainment, on YouTube. That's R-E-I-G-N, Life Entertainment, on YouTube.